We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. Hey everyone, my name is Cheryl Downs. I'm your host tonight of Beyond 90, episode 100. And I like to say that we've always got a couple in our pocket because we've done lots of extras, but it's exciting to see that the podcast has been going so long with so much support from the people that listen to it. But also for me, so exciting to have so many co-hosts and so many amazing guests. So just before I introduce my co-hosts, I might jump straight in and introduce our guest for tonight, Matilda's Cap number 100. Christy Moore. So congratulations, firstly, Christy, for, you know, cap number 100. That's a terrific effort. But we'll go into a little bit more detail of your story as well along the way. But firstly, just thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. Um, we've also got on the podcast today a bit of a shout out to Dale, who's moving house. How much fun would that be? So good on you, Dale. Have fun doing that. Madge, hope all is well up there. No public holiday for you as, you know, like the rest of us here, we had one. Or Chrissy, I'm not sure if you did. We- but- <laughs> I think we put ours to the second half of the year because we always complain that after August we didn't have anything because we don't get like your Melbourne Cup days or anything. So I think they just picked this one up and put it into October for us. Queensland always being just a little bit special. I think that's an example of that. Stefan, how are you doing? Not special, just different. (laughs) Just different. All right. Fair call. Stefan, you well? Yeah, good. Thanks. Uh, Happy 100th, everyone. I was was a quite a long-time listener of the pod before uh, I ever ever imagined to uh, to actually being on it. So uh, it's quite a landmark. And uh, yeah, congratulations to to you, Cheryl and Eric, and everyone who's been on board all this time. And uh, it's a it's a, a special evening and it's great to have you on board too christy thank you yeah i think it's brilliant that when you joined us Stefan. it shows that the range of knowledge that you have in football but also just the opportunities that beyond 90 presents to people to try and give them space in that media landscape and to talk about football because it's still very much an emerging space there's another excellent voice in football that I haven't introduced yet, but Eric, hopefully you've been busy with some um, NPLW calls or other football during the week. Uh, yes, yeah, so I did call a um, NPL women's game yesterday, which I think we all cover later on, but yeah, you know, usual busyness. Cheers. All right. Well, thanks very much, Eric, for that level of excitement there. I'm almost falling off my chair. But anyway, let's go back to Christy. Christy, we've got a bunch of questions for you. But um, firstly, I think the number cap 100 is an exciting number because it probably gives you a fair amount of visibility as well. I've seen a couple of posts where they talk about 50, 100 and 150, but even more so for you, you've got some extra backstory in that you've played internationally for England as well. So, you know, you're just putting all the markers out on you, all the spotlights. Well, it's funny. I didn't actually know until a few years ago that I was cap uh, 100. I think there was a story that ran or something that was posted. And that was when I was first aware that I was um, that number 100. So it's um, no, it's quite a cool number to have. So, so I'm happy with that. 
Yep, I'd be happy to have any number as a material, but, but number 100 is pretty good as well. Let's talk a little bit about your history, and I haven't got everything here, so feel free to fill in the black, the blanks. But for the um, for the Matildas, you debuted in 1997 and you played with the national team until 1999. Your grassroots club was Elizabeth Vale. Are they still around? Right. That's one of the questions I like to ask. Yeah. They are still around. I actually, they just had, um, how many years was it? They had a ceremony of their own and I popped in to say hello. So that was quite cute to go back to the club where it all started when I was four years old. So no, it was, oh. uh, so they're still going, which is, it's good. Gives a lot of kids, you know, in those areas, a lot of opportunities, which is really nice. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Nine appearances for the Matildas, seven A internationals, two goals. I don't think one of those goals was against Australia, was it? Oh, sorry, when you when you flipped and played the other way, I'm not sure how many goals you scored for no, England, but hopefully it wasn't against us. <laughs> but no, it was um, obviously coming up through the ranks with Australia, the 16s and 19s, and then on into the seniors. I think I think times were a little bit different then because obviously I left Australia in 99 to go and play over in England and it wasn't, you know, things weren't streamed everywhere and it was, I think, very hard for people to follow when you played on the other side of the world. So that made it difficult, I think, to sort of keep and obviously expenses as far as flights and things like that when you're living, you know, over there and then, you know, the, the training camps are here in Australia and things like that. It was it was different times back then and it was um, very tricky. So, yes, I did jump ship and switch over to my mother's uh, heritage. <laughs> Do you think if you, sorry, this isn't a question that I've got, gotten written down but do you think if you had have stuck around in Australia instead of going and playing internationally that you would have been in a position to get more caps yeah, I, I would think so I think it like as I said I think it was different times and it was very tricky for them to follow and it wasn't really the norm I know I wasn't the only one there were other players that sort of went overseas but it also wasn't sort of the common thing to do then whereas you look at now how many of the Australian side play elsewhere in the world at the moment mm. um yep you know, which is great. Um, so it has, it has changed a lot, but I think it was, it was very tricky back then just because, you know, as far as all the exposure and filming and all those sorts of things and coaches flying over to watch and things like that, it wasn't, wasn't really reality back then. So. Yep. Um, and for England, you debuted in 2002, you played with the national team until 2005 and you had 12 appearances there as well. I'm not sure how many other people have, have had games at international level for more than one country. Maybe that's that's a question for Dale. He seems to be one of our best sort of expert on those weird kind of questions. Um, you're also in the Hall of Champions for Football South Australia. You've played three seasons for Adelaide United, which is something that I quite enjoyed because that's something when we used to be able to see you playing as well. And in 2014, I think it was, you were the captain of Adelaide United. You were player of the year and you're also player's player of the year. So um, Adelaide United have always been one of my favourite teams. I'm from Melbourne, but I've always had a, a you know bit of a fangirl for Adelaide and how hard that they work. And so, yeah. <laughs> Pardon me? The good old underdogs. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. And, uh, geez, I just can't remember how many games I would watch them play and they were always so close to getting the three points but never quite close enough. And that winning mentality is something that they've just been growing each and every time. Um, and just to finish off a little bit of the background about yourself as well, you played in Norway's top Syrian and I've written that specifically for Stefan because I think you two will probably just have a bit of a gas bag about that kind of thing. And then you also played for Fulham back in the days when I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Fulham was one of the uh, 
um, early fully professional teams, but then it changed and they're not fully professional now. Is that correct? Yeah, so we at that time we were the only fully professional team in Europe as far as I was aware, um, and that was when Alfayed had the money into Fulham and he proposed the three-year deal with Fulham and then if England went to a fully professional league, he would continue it on, but if it didn't, if England didn't go to a fully professional league, then he would pull his funding. So unfortunately it was still a bit early days for England and we had a great time there but then when that came to an end um, the players just dispersed really and he pulled his funding which was a shame but it was an amazing opportunity you know doing things with the men's team and training during the day and training twice a day and things like that it was um, no it was it was really good and especially for me that was my first experience on the professional level like that so it was great. Yeah really good to hear that so early that there were yeah. things happening and and maybe if football had have accelerated from that point would be much further forward than what we are now but we're definitely accelerating now it's just the the journey was a bit delayed for some of the areas all right that's kind of the introduction we've thrown in a couple of questions along the way as well but maybe just a nice easy question to kick off with but can you talk a little bit about your early football journey because one of the things I read was that you're a bit of an AFL fan as well you wanted to play AFL but you got into football which is very thankful for us I love AFL footy as well but um, great to see you playing football and with your mum's side of the family you had that English heritage is that where it started because my dad was English but he never got me into football until way too late in my opinion yeah I did want to play Aussie rules and unfortunately well fortunately really now but at that time they said because I was a girl they weren't happy with me playing so at the same club at Elizabeth Vale they had the football team there and that's basically why I started playing and then it just went from there playing each year I was the only girl in the team every year with the boys which I think was great for my development it really helped you know you have you have to be you have to be quick and you have to be strong and get up and brush yourself off and all that sort of thing and and back then, you know, everyone would be like, well, girls don't play soccer and things like that. So it sort of just urged me on even more to want to want to do big things. And I, I think I used to watch a lot of football as well. And I just always wanted to go overseas and play. Um, I did want to play for Man U because that's my team. But unfortunately, they didn't, you know, at that time, there wasn't a professional team for them. So, yeah, um, no, it was... Um, I tried other sports along the way as well, but if anything sort of clashed with my football, then that went out the window and football stayed. So I think I knew from a young age that that was, that was my thing. We're pretty happy with that. Madge, do you want to throw some questions in? Because I'm conscious I don't want to um, monopolise all of your time, Christy. Yeah, sure. I, th I think of saying that you had that fantastic uh, experience with Fulham and, and a professional environment. So early on you were able to experience as a, I guess a standalone team playing in the English league what what was it like then coming back to the the W league um at you know, at, at, at its early stages how did the W league stack up between what was sort of happening uh in in the UK in your experience um so back so back then I, I I I didn't sort of have a lot to do with the W league it was more sort of at the end um of my career but being able to see from my sassy days back in the 90s before I left compared to when I came back to play for Adelaide United you could see it, that it had come on in leaps and bounds a lot more professional atmosphere and and I think it was you know and so many more players and attracting international players as well which you know obviously back when I was playing that that didn't happen so just seeing some of the talent not only only the sort of the, the local talent but also the fact that they could attract some of the you know some really good international players as well so 
it was really good to see the growth um, because it was obviously hard to to keep a track when I was away. So to come back and actually see it and, and experience it for myself was really good. Question from me before I throw back to the guys, and I'm sorry for jumping in, but when you played for Adelaide United in, in 2014, as an example, I'm just trying to think how old Chids was. Did you play with Chids? You would have played with Rachel Quigley, I, I would have imagined, and a couple of other quality players. Yeah, I did, yeah. And Quigs, I also played a little bit at Metro as well, club level, um, when I came back because I was playing there for a while and she uh, played a little bit there too. So it was it was really nice and to see, you know, the talent that has gone on and 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 just how much the development, it was, it was just amazing to see. And so many of the girls really determined as well and now having, I think, those clear pathways, whereas, as I said, back when I was young and everyone telling you that, you know, women don't play football, but now you've got role models to look up for, you've got clear pathways to go for, you know you can go and be a professional athlete and, and live off of playing the game that you love. I think that just really helps inspire a lot of younger players now too. So... Stefan, pretty much time to give you some spotlight and you can go and talk about Norway to your heart's content or until the <laughs> podcast expires anyway. <laughs> In Norwegian? No, no just kidding. <laughs> oh, no, oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's a good question because you played there for 10 years, didn't you? So how's your Norwegian? It's a bit rusty, but it's pretty good. <laughs> there you go, Stefan. Go for it. <laughs> Mine's terrible. <laughs> yeah, um, nine years in um, Norwegian football. How did you end up there? So in, when I played at Fulham, we had a Norwegian coach and then um, he had some connections there, obviously. So we just that was how the connection started. And then the coach from up in Tromsø came to, to have a look and, and meet a couple of us. And then it went from there. But it was it was very interesting from living in London to moving to Tromsø, which obviously is up right up north past the Arctic Circle. And I think at that time, the whole area had a population of 60,000. So to move um, from from London, where everything's happening to a to a small island was, um, it was pretty amazing, though. It was a, it's a very beautiful place and really nice people. So um, just took a little bit of adapting with the whole 24-hour daylight and, and 24-hour darkness in the winter. <laughs> I've made a visit there too, and I can absolutely agree with how beautiful the place is yeah. and how lovely the people are too. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, when you, when you started there, um, you, you you played about half of your um nine season stint with um with a mid table side called uh, Fleur. Yeah. How do you pronounce that? Yeah, yeah. Fleur. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was around the era of the um the the Ansett Summer Series in Australia had come to a close, and there was that little gap before the um before the W League really started. But um, mm -hmm. in, your, in your second stint, you had a really successful time with uh, Stabbeck mm -hmm. and winning the league in 2010 yep. and qualifying for Champions League. So that must, that's, that must be a wonderful memory for you, your time, your time there in particular. Oh, it was. It was. Um, so Floyer were obviously a team that were, you know, up and coming, trying to fight with with the top sides. But for us to get, we won bronze two seasons with Floyer and I think it was either once or twice. I think at once I was a top goal scorer there. But it was just a bit similar to what you were saying before, Sheldon, about Adelaide United. It was sort of that really hard, hard-working spirit of a team. And, and we weren't the best side in the league, but we worked hard and we did have 
you know, a few really good players and we had some good experience and then some good young ones as well. So I think for us to, to get the bronze medal, it was really important for them, for Tromsø itself as well. They covered, even back then, they covered a lot in their newspapers, it, you know, that the women's football side was very big for the community as well. And you would see, you know, so many people come out to watch. And there's a, there was actually a young girl that used to come out and watch me. It was my um, nursing teacher's daughter. And she was about five, I think, when she started coming out to watch me. And I think she's playing in the Norwegian under-16s or something now, or under-17s. So, it's, it's you know, you can see those kids that it really means something to them. And, and it was... Um, no, it was, it was a pretty good experience. So but then obviously with Starbuck, we had a lot, um, probably on paper, a lot better side. Um, so I think there was, you know, a higher expectation on us as a team in Starbuck. And it was the same thing, a very professional setup and and a really good bunch of girls and, a, and good coaching staff. So, hmm. were, were you aware over the nine seasons that more and more Aussies were coming into the Nordic football scene? Yes, because I, you know, I had certain things on Facebook, and obviously with connections, football's a pretty small, small world in that way. Women's football, so, um, I, you know, I did see uh, other people um coming over and things like that, and it, and I think it was a really good league to test yourself in as well. You know, it's physical, it's got some has some really good players um playing in it, so it's um and obviously the weather as well is a big challenge when you're not used to playing in those sort of conditions too. It's sort of you know, you're training in minus 16 degrees and they're like, oh, yeah, if it gets to minus 18, we'll cool it off. It's like, <laughs> so it's, um, you know, it's all those mental battles and being so far away from home and things like that. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely gives you a challenge. What was the length of the season back then, Christy? Um, so I would come home every Christmas normally for anywhere between it was about a month to two months. So it started up like March. Um, we would always go to Portugal for like a um, – or Spain for like a pre-season thing. And then it would start up um, March, April time and then go to like October, November time. So it was quite quite long. Um, your record at Starback was quite incredible. It says, it says in Wikipedia that you scored 58 times in 84 appearances. So that's some serious numbers. Um, so <laughs> – what was it about the setup there that allowed you to uh, perform that well? Was it a just a rapport you had with some particular players, or was it just a professional setup there? I think it was a bit of both, especially the players that I had around me. Um, just some really good quality players and some some very good experienced players. Like there was obviously a lot of national team players in that side, and then as far as the the younger players that came through towards the end of my career, I mean, you had Carolina Graham Hansen. She's playing. You probably know who she is and Arda Hergeberg. She's a decent player. Exactly, and Arda who's killing it. I mean, they were both 15, 16-year-olds that came in and you could just see like that they were very professional in their way already at that age. They set a high standard for themselves and for everyone else and, and you know, held their own against players that were sort of at the other ends of their career and, and they weren't, you know, scared to go in for a tackle or to, to stand their own. So I think you can just see when people sort of live and breathe football and, and set those standards for themselves. So mm. That was going to be my last question about, about Hegerberg. Um, she um, joined the club in 2012, which was your last season. So, yeah, your memory of it. So I think you've just, you've just answered that. So remarkable no, even back yeah. then. Very, yeah, very professional, as I said already, from a young young age. And obviously her sister, Angelina, she also played um, in Starbuck too. But no, just you could see from, from as soon as they come in, because I know that 
I've noticed here with some of the young girls, obviously they can be a bit shy and sort of, and, and things like that, but there was, there was none of that with, with Carolina or without it, they knew what they wanted and they, they got stuck in. And if, you know, and if it was someone of my age or someone else that made a mistake, they would hold you accountable for it. And that, that was great. That's, that's what you need in a team. And for, you know, young girls to already have that instilled in them, that's, um, it wasn't a surprise when, when they, you know, went on to do amazing things. So. Mm. Does sound very good, Eric. Your yeah. turn to ask a couple of questions, or Madge wants to jump in. Well, first. I, I do have one. Just staying on the on the Norway theme. Um, Norway, uh, they're a small country, but they've really punched above their weight when it comes to to women's football. I mean, they were powerhouses sort of in in the early sort of World Cup days, and um, they may have had a bit of a dip, but they yeah, they're back really strong again now with uh, Hegerberg and 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 Han- Graham Hansen as well. So, what do you think? The Australian system can learn from from the Norwegian experience, um, given that a lot of Aussies are, are still going to play there. I think it's a bit of a culture thing too. So even though they are a small country and they, you know, they're into their winter sports and things, obviously with the climate, but they just, I don't know, because I was quite shocked. I knew nothing about Norway before I moved to the other side of the world and went there, and obviously became you know into all the culture and everything when I was there but it's just it's very surprising that they are so football crazy even though they are such a small country and they have so many other sports that are you know the ski the cross-country skiing and all those sorts of things but even in a small town like Tromsø, we would we would go and there was a football pub there and it would be packed we would go and watch you know all different Premier League games and it would be absolutely rammed people are just so passionate about the game I think here sometimes we because we've got Aussie rules and we've got rugby and cricket, I feel like sometimes it's that passion that that lacks because we're not, um, it's not like the top priority, the, the sport here. The same as when you go to the UK and people are just absolutely, you know, crazy fanatics of, of watching football and, and following it. I think it's, um, I don't know, it's hard to, hard to put the finger on it. But, I mean, I think we are definitely going in the right direction. Things have changed so much. And, like I said, for me to, you know, see it over the past 40 years or however long ago was when I started playing. It's just, it is incredible how much it has grown and everything is growing in the right direction. But I'm not sure how you how you sort of change that thought process for people and that that passion and that culture because it's something, I don't know, it's something like almost that's instilled in you, I think. I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. and watch the Socceroos tomorrow. Exactly. That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about, that sort of thing. <laughs> So yeah, I'm not sure how to how to really answer that question, but it is it's 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 weird. It's um, I think it is sort of you know part of how you grow up and what you're used to when you're growing up as well type thing. So, Eric, questions from you? Oh, so something that was uh, it's not my question. It's some something someone else put in the show notes, but still very intrigued because apparently uh, you studied nursing during your playing days. So Correct. for Yep. So there's a bit of a two-part question. Firstly, is that something, is that like a field you're still involved in? And I suppose the second one is, it seems to be uh, somewhat common for footballers to also study nursing. I think most example, at least the most famous example would be Casey Dumont in Australia, who is a nurse. So um, do you have any idea why um, footballers tend to be drawn to nursing? Um, definitely not for the pay. No, mm. <laughs> um, no, I'm not sure. I I just knew I needed to get some sort of career before I stopped playing because obviously I wasn't going to be able to retire off of my millions. Um, so I thought I would do something that I could do anywhere in the world and that I could go into different fields because if one thing, you know, doesn't necessarily suit you, then there's so many different options with nursing. So that was the thing that drew me to nursing. Um, but 
but there was they actually ran a story on just going back to Starbuck days for a minute where you know about how many women were studying in the Starbuck side as well as playing professional football and I I think it was like I don't know it was 90% of the team or something and you know you'd had um, one of the girls went on to be a lawyer and a judge, Lisa Cloverness, who you would know who she is. Um, and then you've, you know, you had people doing physio and, and nursing and teaching and all those sorts of things. So things that, you know, do require a heap of your time on top of playing a professional sport. So, but I think with nursing, nursing, the thing you can, you can do it anywhere in the world and you can sort of go into so many different fields. That was, well, that was what attracted me to it anyway. Does your journey in football continue at the moment? Are you involved at any coaching level, involved in clubs? Are you um, going to be involved in, in the Women's World Cup in some which way or is it now as a spectator? Um, so I stopped playing just at the end of last season for Metro. My body decided it didn't want to function anymore. Um, but I haven't gone into coaching as yet. I'm not. I'm still not 100% sure if that's a direction that I want to go in or not. Um, my six-year-old and shift work keeps me pretty busy at the moment. So, um, yeah, watch this space. Not sure yet as far as the coaching side. I'm not saying never, but just not at the moment. It's sort of nice just having that break from for the first time in a lot of years of of not needing to be at training every night or be at the gym or um, so it's sort of nice just to take, take that bit of time out and take a step back at the moment, I think. And if we can ask a, a family question, has your son got a better left foot or right foot? Um, righty, definitely a righty, but I'm not sure if he's into the whole team sport thing. He did play last year, but yeah, I don't know. He's, he's, I think he's going to be more of an individual sport person, but, but we'll see. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, my last question though, I've got, I'm not sure if anyone else has got a question, but it was more about the, um, the coaching differences around the world and, and Australia. I think we punch reasonably well in our weight class in that we've got someone like Ten Tanya Oxtaby, who's um, doing some coaching off with Chelsea. We've got Joe Montemuro who's coaching, um, has coached in Arsenal and, and is now off coaching in Juventus. So, um, and if you talk about men's football, there's some other ones as well. What was your experience with the coaches whether or not you were here in Australia or you were playing overseas with Fulham or in the top Syrian I think I was pretty lucky as far as coaching goes obviously getting involved with Sassy um you know in the teenage years we were pretty lucky there because at that time that was you know something new and exciting having the Sassy program and having you know specialists around us to help with all different aspects of our game so I think we were pretty spoiled for choice um, back then. And, and then I think going overseas, obviously having been introduced to the Norwegian coach at Fulham and then sort of, you know, following on um, into that with going over to Floyer, it was um, it was a pretty good standard of coaching. And I think even as far as my junior days, I think I've been, been pretty lucky um, on the coaching side, but it's also to coaching people that really have that passion and want to go further. I think that makes a huge difference too. And having, you know, being surrounded by, by professional athletes too. I think that was just that this isn't on, on your note, but just the first thing, one of the first things I noticed going over to Norway, the players that didn't play that were on the bench for the entire game, for example, when the game finished, they wouldn't sit and whine and, you know, about not playing. They would literally get up and start doing interval training across the pitch because they hadn't played a game. And mm. I would look and think, you know, that's, wow, that would never have happened like back home or even even in Fulham to some extent. Um, but just that mentality of, okay, I need to make sure I'm staying in shape and that I'm sharp and ready for when it is, you know, my opportunity, whether that be next week or in three weeks' time. So I think, um, yeah, that sort of mentality, it, those players are definitely easier 
to coach as well. So it makes a coach's job that bit easier, I think. Thank you very much, Christy, for indulging us and answering all of our questions. I, I think the, the parting memory that I would kind of say is just from, and unfortunately not being able to watch you play during the Matildas, um, the, the experiences that I had were basically that you were such a leader on the field. And, and I think you've really contributed to football and the way that Adelaide has probably stepped in and stepped up into that space as well. I think you're a big part of that. So you've, you've definitely got a legacy in football and we're really pleased to have had you on the podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you all for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, Well, that was very special. Great to talk to a a Matilda. Great to talk to cap number 100 as well. It means that we're doing a great job getting through so many of the Matildas. We've still got a backlog that we need to catch up on. So if any of the um, previous Matildas prior to when we were doing this way of working, don't worry, we'll come back come back and get you Mm. Eric I feel like we'll give you some game time at the moment come off the bench talk to Mm. us about the Matildas squad that was announced um for the upcoming matches that we've got against Spain and Portugal ah well I was uh doing a breakdown of uh, where these players played and for those of you that remember um uh Tony Gustafson's words about uh how you have to be playing overseas it's uh potentially good for that that uh, there appears to have been a bit of a backtrack on that because I have counted, let me see, eight players in the 24-player squad for the games against Spain and Portugal who are currently playing in Australia. So six from NPL New South Wales, one from N- one defender very close to my heart from NPL South Australia, and one from NPL Queensland. So it's it's a, it's a an interesting one. We will see there, I mean, especially in the game against Spain, these players are definitely being chucked in the deep end in terms of international football. But uh, I say it is the it will be the quickest way for them to learn. Not entirely sure, given the way Spain are, it'll be the most fun way to learn, but we'll see. Um, but of course, I just want to talk about uh, Matilda McNamara, the star of Adelaide United and currently playing in, with Adelaide City and NPL South Australia. I'm absolutely delighted that she's uh, received this call up and observing the way that she's uh, grown um, as a defender just over the last few seasons with Adelaide United. And I think from memory, although it might be a little bit off on this, uh, she basically earned a start in the 1920 season to 2019, 2020 season towards the end of that. And pretty much hasn't missed a minute since whether it was the rest of that season or the following two seasons, which shows you how highly she's rated by the Reds. So um, hoping that she gets uh, some game time and makes her international debut. And of course, I mean, her name, Matilda, it's just perfect, isn't it? It's just perfect that Matilda McNamara's in this squad. Um, I might. What if she put her first name on her top, right, on her kit? Oh, so oh, that's I mean, exactly there. the same thing, Cheryl. So, so, so some of the regulations, like you see that, like so we're going Brazilian football, a kind of thing, like Marta. It's just yeah. like she's just Matilda. I mean, yeah. I don't. I definitely do not hate it. But I'm um, <laughs> good, actually. Uh, Madge, I've also done the state by state breakdown, and it's uh, for once, it's not a chance for me to be smug. It's a chance for you to be smug. Eleven oh, out of the it? twenty-four are from yeah. Queensland. Is it? And that, I mean, that sounds right for a senior Matilda squad. To be fair. Oh yeah, look. I mean, it's always nice to see, but you know, it is a national team, so we like to see um, you know representation from from everywhere. It's, it's everyone's team, so um, it, I don't. I don't think there's. We should get too competitive about these things. Yes, be nice and mag- magnanimous. I can't say that word. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 good to see. Um, but I, I, I guess I'd probably just like to talk about. Um, I guess a little, a, a few people were shocked. I was a little, a little bit shocked as to how many of the senior players um, weren't selected for the squad. Um, 
given that we are playing uh, a country that like Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, but I guess, you know, it's, it's the opportunity to give some of our players a, a good rest before we really ramp up. Yep. Um, all of those experienced players are a good rest before we really ramp up into World Cup um, mm. estimations. I think some people were, were wondering, well, why, why are we doing it for this this lot of games and and not not the games against New Zealand where maybe we we should have experimented a bit more mm. but I think there's so many moving parts with um FA trying to organize games and and um and players with different club commitments it's you've got to take your opportunities when mm -hmm. when they show up and yeah um so I think it's it, it's a little bit disappointing we, we can't see maybe our strongest team go up against a really strong team like Spain but then on the flip side it's giving the people what they want and giving some, no doubt, some really good game time to some of our fringe players who maybe haven't gotten as much game time as people would have liked to have seen in, in previous windows. Yeah. So on that point about resting players against New Zealand, I'm not sure I would have liked to seen the backlash if Sam Kerr hadn't come over exactly. for two games in Australia, yeah. et, et cetera. That's, um, yeah, that's, right. that's an interesting take. I no, I, I, I'm glad that I got to see Sam Kerr in Canberra while exactly. I was and, and I freezing think, to death. I absolutely think that's one of the moving parts that FA has to keep in mind as well because it's also about building brand Matildas. And so if you've got a home series, the people want to see their favourite players. So there's a, there's a big pressure there for FA um, and for Tony to be, you know, choosing the stars to come home and also to play um, during those games. So, um it's it's a balance. You've got you've got to get that experimentation, um, rotate your squad, find out who who the best fits are going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but then you've also got fans baying to see all of yeah. their favourites um, yes, yes. in, in a home series. So um, so maybe you know uh, uh, these these couple of games away from home. Um, not sure how Spain and Portugal are going to approach these games, given mm -hmm. it's right before a. Yep. They're big tournaments, so they That's might be point. doing some tinkering themselves. So, whether how hard they're going to go, um, I think I think it'll be really interesting though. And and I think it takes a little bit of the pressure off, um, results wise, for the Matildas, and yep. that we can just sit back and I think relax a little bit, mm. um, and not put so much pressure on these games, um, results wise. I think this will be more about well, you know. Who looks like they um, will be knocking on the door? Like who, who, who are the next people that we can mm -hmm. really look at to be um, good contenders to really push those players that are taking the rest at the moment? Yeah, can, and also the I rest. Say, the rest. Oh, sorry, just, sorry, Cheryl. Before I, sorry, the rest. This is the perfect time to rest the likes of Sam Kerr, and and they will need it before. At they need a rest at some point before next year's World Cup. So I, I like the timing. Just the what I the. The bit, the timing I don't like is it's against. There's a game against Spain, but I think really, if if they don't rest now, I if the big stars don't rest now, I see major issues at some mm -hmm. point. So I'm glad they're doing it now. Yeah, I was just about to say. I think I, I agree with what everyone's saying. I think there's a, just a little bit messed up in my mind of the planning because I think this is a real opportunity to see how Australia would fare against Spain. And if we knew that our players needed to have a rest and, and I know that they would be, I absolutely agree with putting the player first and making sure that they have the opportunity to go home and just rest their bodies from this, you know, just cycle of football. But 
why would you then plan for such a, a big match coming up? Surely they would have had some inkling that this is going to be the state that the, the key players would have been in at that point. And if that was the mm-hmm. case, this is, I'm not saying it's a wasted opportunity, but from both ends, you look at, you know, put our best side against Spain and see how we fare and see what we need to adjust to do better. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of it is putting in some of these players who haven't had as much experience and how that might be harmful to them to, you know, put them in a situation where they've got a a bit more of a chance. We don't know what the team that Spain will field out there and it could be that they end up doing something similar. Who knows? But it just seems like we're, you know, someone was planning this way, someone was planning that way and the road didn't join up. That's kind of what it feels like to me. That's a fair call. And it's interesting because, of course, you can't just pick any European team you want. There's so... hmm. Yes, I th- yes, you make yes. That's a very good point, Cheryl. I I also wonder. I mean, not that I know the ins and outs. Like, I feel like most they they might have been a bit limited in terms of who to choose, just because well mm-hmm. uh, of the Euros, as Madge mentioned. Yeah. So, Stefan, your thoughts? Yes. Oh, yes. Please, and Stefan, please um gloat as well, because where are my notes? Are uh, six players based in Sweden and two players based in Denmark? Yes, yeah, so um, a few of them have been in the fold recently, but the one the one that particularly pleased me to see her back was Angie Beard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that yep, Claire yeah, Wheeler yeah. just yeah Claire Wheeler just got the Player of the Year award for Fortuna, but geez, I tell you, Angie wasn't far behind her, mm-hmm. appearing in a whole lot of um, team and month and teams of the week in the month. So uh, I think that's just reward for a couple of years of um, just quietly get, putting the head down and putting in some hard work and. Uh, so I'm really pleased about that. Look, I have a, a question mark around Chloe Lagarzo. I take it it's too soon? Uh, too I soon. believe. Oh, yeah. I, no, she did it in September against Ireland. So, yeah, that's that's too soon. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Unless he's some kind of miracle woman. But even then, I think that's that's just – even if she was yeah. able to turn while running, I think it's still – nine months is too risky. Yeah. Okay. Would have been nice to see her. But, yeah, there'll, there'll be other opportunities for Chloe. Yeah. Be interesting to see what the potential starting lineup would be out of this. And we talked about Matilda McNamara at the start. And I don't know whether or not she would be in any kind of situation to be a starting position. But, you know, coming up against Spain, if we haven't got a really solid defence, and I don't know if we'd play three at the back or four at the back, part of me hopes that we would just play four. Otherwise, I, I think I, there might be too I many I feel balls. like I want, to, I want to play 10 at the back against Spain, but that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's, yep. 10, plus a 10, 10 defenders and a goal. Counting through the, the defenders as we speak. So I think that's our pod title, 10 at the six, back. I'm six, players list, <laughs> six players listed as defenders, but of course, you know, that's like, that's peep, there are, there's versatility involved. But, uh, I mean, you think Claire Polkinghorne plus three for the starting lineup? Yeah, and look, I mean, I, I, I guess who I'm really happy to see there and, and I really hope does get some game time this time is Winnie Heatley. Um, yes, please. I, yeah, I'd, I'd really love to see um, Winnie get a sheet. I think she was in for, I can't remember which games it was. Uh, it may have been. Uh, I squad for the game against Ireland and uh, Ireland, Asian, yeah. Cup, Asian Cup uh, prelim squad. She was one of the players that got cut. Yeah, so um, so it'd be great to see her uh, get on the field this time, and and I guess also um, it was going to be an issue anyway. But um, I mean, I'm assuming Charlie Grant's probably going to get the Ellie Carpenter mm-hmm. shot, I guess, at the yep. um, Ellie Carpenter position. Mm-hmm. So, um, so in a way, it's, I mean, that's something that was going to happen have to happen anyway. Uh, so uh, it'll be good to get some minutes into 
you know, some of these players that we would expect to be, um, you know, backups and, you know, and challenging those uh, first tier players. Um, so absolutely looking forward to Charlie getting some extended game time. Getting in early for potential queen of the week as well. So Lydia Williams is on 99 mm. caps at the moment. It's coming up to 100. And then the other really positive story, and I haven't seen anything of Peninsula Power recently, but Larissa Crummer, after a, you know, a really horrible run with some injuries and whatnot, it's nice to see her get get some space in there. Oh, yeah. Peninsula Power. Larissa Crummer plays for Kamala. And Courtney Vine. Yeah. Courtney Vine is uh, a Peninsula got- Power. Peninsula Power. Oh, they're both pen pals. Are they both pen pals? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. That's nice. Right. That's, that's nice to, for a grassroots club to have two players in a national team squad because that doesn't yeah, happen absolutely. often. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's um, good good to see for them. So the great nursery there uh, up up in Redlands. So, um, and also, I guess I'm really interested. I mean, I know, I think Jacinta Galabalarachi has played friendlies but this wouldn't be one to lock her in would it because it's nope, just because it's just another just friendly, friendly. Yes. so um, yes so it's it's a bit of the mary fowler um conundrum again uh she could play the whole game and still not tied and she can just so that ballarat she could still after this these games choose for any one of the 17 other nations that she's eligible <laughs> for <laughs> well, i mean this might take us into one of the other squads that have been announced so jacinta was also named in the oh, yes. aff um yeah, uh, the preliminary 35 squad quite a few players yeah. there's a bit of overlap here yes yeah there's a, a lot of overlap here and a lot and then that one overlapping again with the uh, young Matildas. Now, would that count as a? That's if anyone has a, a foot, if anyone has a football Australia contact, I'd love to know for yeah. um for uh, eligibility. Yeah, and LA, yeah, and locking, locking it, locking in. it in. Whether right. a whether a sub confederation tournament, uh, the Southeast Asian Championships would lock a player in. That's a that's actually a great question. So I right. don't. Someone I don't remember that question, then we'll mm. ask our, our contacts along the way. Um, we better keep the podcast moving along. We'll come back to Spain and Portugal matches for Australia in another pod or so time because mm. it, it's not until Sunday the 26th mm-hmm. of June is the match against Spain and then the following Wednesday we're playing against Portugal. Um, but there's a, I think since the last time we chatted, a couple of matches have been announced and people it's too early to go and get your tickets right now because they're not on yes. sale and we don't know the times and we don't know the venue for the first game, but the Matildas have been announced to come up against Canada in a two match series on the 3rd of September and the 6th of September. Uh, Canada ranked sixth at the moment, which is a space that Australia was occupying not too long ago. So it'll be a, a really robust kind of get together. Uh, the second match is at um, Alliance stadium you know big opening kind of thing but yeah whatever it's in new south wales when we're getting something in melbourne or queensland or but i'm picking that the first match this is just an absolute guess but i'm thinking maybe it's in canberra so that should make stefan happy and don't know don't know if it's true Uh, stefan do i need thermals for canberra in september Uh, surely Maybe. Yes, that's a that's a yes. I'm from Sydney, so that's a yes. And now, I just want to know because I need to book flights. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I really like about the Canada game is um they're a really strong defensive team, and um I I, mm-hmm. I think we've had our issues breaking down mm-hmm. strong defensive teams. So I think mm-hmm. that's a really good well, a really Olympic good champions as well. So yeah. mm-hmm. you know that's, that's with that because courtesy of that at. strong defense. Yeah. <laughs> Very so true. I think it's I think it's a, a great team to play against at, at this stage in our preparations. 
there's plenty more football that's been going on as well. So we better keep moving. The um, There was a match for the young Matildas. Yeah, Who wants to talk to that one? Should we throw Eric in there? Do you want to talk about yes. New Zealand versus young Matildas? Uh, yes. Yeah. So it's a bit confusing. So just to explain this to people. Uh, yeah, so as you know, the young Matildas are, are under 20 side and the junior Matildas are on the 17 side. New Zealand goes the other way around with the naming of their team. So their under 20s are the junior football ferns and their under 17s are the young football ferns. So anyway, just to explain that, just in case you see that somewhere else. But uh, New Zealand under 20s uh, defeated... Uh, the Young Matildas 2-1 in a game played at Auckland and sadly it was not streamed. Um, the fairy godmother of Australian football and Odong put out a tweet. Uh, match wasn't streamed for high performance reasons in the lead up to the under-20 Women's World Cup. So that's a bit unfortunate, but you know. Let's people... dissect that. What does that mean? And going back uh, to the last podcast when I said, let's have faith and let's be optimistic and surely it will happen. Well, it didn't. So no one listened to Cheryl. I think that's fair warning for next time, but that that sounds like to me that there were things that they were maybe working on in the game that they didn't want to be available to their competitors Correct. for the World Cup. And that's both obviously both us and New Zealand. That's how I interpret it as well. Mm-hmm. And they so they both teams have decided that. So um Australia scored in the second minute through Daniela Gallich, who uh it was impressive in the games. Australia versus New Zealand games in April in Canberra and continues to impress both for internationally and for Football New South Wales Institute. But there's the second half comeback from New Zealand. Tupelo Dugan uh, scored the equaliser. And then about 10 minutes from time, I believe it was a Kate Taylor penalty kick. Of course, Kate Taylor so impressive over the summer in the A-League women for Wellington Phoenix. Now, big thank you to Teo Pelletzeri, who um, sent me a message uh, with the actual young Matilda starting lineup. So, I mean, I'm making, I'm assuming that the order in which he wrote the names means something. So in goal, Sally James, uh, back four from left to right, Jamila Rankin, Naomi Chinema, Ella Tonkin, Charlie Rule, three in midfield, Hannah Lowry, Sarah Hunter, Daniela Galich, and then front free, the front free, everyone's favorite photographer's daughter, Abby Lemon. So a young Matilda's um, debut for uh, Abby, the daughter of Kelly Lemon, friend of Beyond 90. Absolutely wonderful. And the other two forwards, Sheridan Gallagher and Katie Godden. So substitute appearances also for Alexia Apostolakis, Paige Zoyce, Alana Murphy, Janana Dos Santos, Briley Henry, and Holly Furphy. So, you know, uh, uh, seeing as many players as possible, because I believe six is the maximum number of subs allowed and that's what was used so obviously it's a bit hard without footage but uh some familiar names uh interesting to see that i i speculated that charlie rule would be played further forward in this group of players but they're still trying her at right back which of course she was great at um for sydney fc so uh yeah so uh, what did it, what else uh stood out to any of you uh, this that didn't surprise me at all I, I have to say that looking at the second game in canberra they pushed us all the way were very physical, very organised at the back, and um, when I when I saw this result off the back of that that, that, that performance in particular, um, and it's quite a quite a similar sort of looking lineup we uh, we had on the park uh, yeah. over in New Zealand. Um, I, I can't say I was surprised. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, New Zealand are um, you know are a talented squad as as well as ourselves, obviously, but um, they're quite mature in the way, in their outlook and the way they. Um, you know, uh, tackle tackle the games already at this age, so it's good to see. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. That's what I thought. The first um, meeting between Australia and New Zealand, where Australia won six one. Yeah, that was the outlier. That was the odd one. Yeah, yeah, different different side, different lineup. New Zealand lineup for the second game, where, mm-hmm. where yeah, quite quite similar to 
what we're seeing here. All right. I'm stressing out about how much time we've got left. So let's mm. talk quickly about, um, I mean, there's all the time in the world left, but I, I appreciate that everyone's going to turn off the podcast at some point in time. The junior Matildas, a 30, play, 30 players were selected for a training camp, which was in June. I think the training camp may have already been had, as we talked no, about this, earlier. Today's, well, the time of recording is the first day of the training camp. Thank you. That's good to know. A 35-player squad has been announced for the Asian Football Federation Asian um, Games or the Southeast Asian Games, I think. Uh, is that's, that no, it's not, that's not it. The Southeast Asian Games has already been held. Sorry. It yeah. gets confusing. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, you have someone whose parents are from the Philippines here. This, um, here. So, um, so as a, uh, it's a sub-confederation. So, of course, you have a confederation, the continental thing, like the AFC, yep. Asian Football Confederation, and this doesn't happen elsewhere, but Asia, because of how large it is, it's broken down into sub-confederations. So AFF would be the ones for Southeast Asia. So Australia is in a group with Philippines, woo, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, and Singapore. And the apologies, the other five nations are in um, uh, the other group for this tournament. And oh. I'm not going to name because I'm going to forget um, a country and make someone mad. But yes, yeah, so a 35-player squad. Um Okay, so we spoke about the overlap. This this is what I was going to get excited about in the pod with Matilda McNamara making this squad and then uh, Football Australia because they're just announcing squads every week these days. Uh, yeah. so Matilda McNamara made a senior Matilda squad and like, well, that's so yeah, that's all wonderful. Pujol sticks out. Abby Lemon is in this squad as well. Uh, Jacinta Galabadarashti was it Chelsea Dorber. That's a big one. Uh, Larissa mm-hmm. and Chelsea. Oh, I'll get on to some Chelsea, good Chelsea Dorber news in a bit. Uh, Larissa Crummer, uh, Courtney Vine. See Taylor Ray, so it's looking like a very Mackenzie Hawksby, who's been in flying form for like what feels like the last two years. Uh, Jess Nash, uh, Charlie Grant, so Alexia Postalakis, who was um I believe born in two thousand and six, and is already making a squad like this with players like Larissa Crummer, which is very very uh, impressive. Jada Wyman as well, who um is still a young player, but because she's been around, people don't necessarily view her as such but uh, it's, uh, it's good to see uh, four four really talented young goalkeepers the others being yeah, annie grove sarah james and chloe lincoln okay let's rush into nordic football and stefan oh um give us give us the big highlights firstly in norway um carly rosbacken's had surgery on a foot mm-hmm. so it's really nice that she's got a family there to to support her uh, her team ellis k kavina had a uh, a two-year win and Fiona Wirtz scored again. That's three from three uh, for Fiona. So um, doing just as well as she did over here. Mm-hmm. Um, the other highlight and um, is that Ellie Green made her debut for Ballerina finally. So she came on at 62 minutes in their big 4-0 away win against the Dynamite Girls, Rowan. Um, so, yeah, lovely to see. It's uh, been a long road for Ellie, but good to see that she's there. Um, just quickly in Sweden, a comfortable win for Rosengard. Uh, where Tegan Micah played a full game. Charlie wasn't on the match sheet. Um, a big, uh, important win for Vizio, where um, Polks and Mini are playing. They were 3-2 away winners against the highly rated BK Hecken. Um, they both played a full game and uh, Hecken dropped out of the top three. So it's not something you see very often. Um, let's see now. Courtney Nevin assisted for Hammerby's first goal in their 4-0 win over, over Kalmar. So, so is it even a Hammerby game if Courtney Nevin isn't involved in a goal? That's right. So she's just, yeah, having a, a, a wow of a time for a, for a club there. Um, Kyra Cooney-Cross was listed on the team sheet for the second time, but didn't get on the park. 
And also, um, I know it's a loss, but it's a, a two-one loss for Remy Simpson's ARK against uh, Lynn, Lynn Chirping. Uh, Lynn Chirping is second, so a two-one mm. away loss isn't bad. So hopefully that's the, a sign of things to come. And Remy played sixty-eight minutes. Uh, nothing doing in Denmark. Season's over for now for mm. the next eight, eight weeks or so. I think Fortuna have a um, Fortuna hearing have a friendly against uh, Hecken BK Hecken. Uh, Aussie fest there that, that game. <laughs> Late, late in um, late in July. There's no there's no Aussies at BK Hacken at the moment. But right. yes. Oh yeah, nice. yeah. But um, it's fortunate hearing. It's always an Aussie. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, and Iceland. There were two games involving Aussies. Um, Gemma Simon didn't uh, play for Throttle, but they still won three one against KR Reykjavik. And both the Aussies in that team, Margot Chavez and Susan Fongsong, can played the full game. And Melina Ayres was an unused sub in Breda Blick's one nil win over Selfos. And that's your naughty grab. Thanks, Stefan. Madge, do you want to give us a couple of highlights on the NWSL? Well, I think the uh, the, the biggest highlight was that Chelsea Dorber um, got on the park, I think, for the first time uh, today, yeah. uh, yep. earlier today. So she played the first half of the um, the game um, for Chicago Red Stars against Orlando Pride, um, and Chicago Red Stars took that one away thanks to actually a really banging goal from um, from Mallory so check that one out if um if, if you've got a chance. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I guess also it's just um, Emily Van Egmond's playing full games uh, for San Diego Wave, which is I guess great for Matildas, um, getting um, you know getting lots of game time in a top quality league, and also um, Alex Chidiak is getting plenty of game time for um, for Racing Louisville. So, uh, but Chids. Um, Chids didn't get the win. Um, they went down two 0 to Angel City, but uh, Emily Van Egmond, uh, I think there's, I think there's still league leading San Diego Wave, uh, but a couple of draws uh, for Emily and San Diego Wave against the Portland Thorns and OL Rain. Thank you, Madge. State football. Uh, let's let's talk about state football game of the round. Did you have one in the ACT, Stefan? How did that one go? Yeah, I was out at Gungarland's game against Belcon United. There were two very close games this round and, and two um, two games where there were hat-tricks. So um, I was at the um, at the cold, windy, close 1-0 loss um, from Gungarland United against Belcon United. Um, so the rap will be coming out about that shortly. But the other the other game of interest was Canberra United Academy, one all draw against uh, West Canberra, um, played at... Um, on synthetic, so both both teams are used to playing on synthetic. So that was an interesting one. Not unexpected that it was a draw. So uh, yeah, thank Probably you. Highlights. New South Wales highlights, Eric. Yeah, just breezing through this. So uh, Manly United came back from a goal down to defeat Bankstown City by five goals to one, and we've mentioned a few Adelaide United players already, so shout out to Emily Condon for scoring Bankstown City's goal. Uh, Sydney Olympic defeated Football New South Wales Institute 4-0. A bit rough for the Institute kids to come up against a team with four players in a senior Matilda squad had been just called up, but uh, that's the way it is. And so uh, Mackenzie Hawksby was on fire with three assists. Uh, Northern Tigers defeated Illawarra Stingrays by three goals to one. And Northern Tigers, well, those of you that are familiar with the Chinese calendar, no, it's the year of the Tiger. Northern Tigers living up to that. They're leading the league and un- the only undefeated team after 10 games. And there was a one-all draw between MacArthur Rams 
and Sydney University. And the game uh, I called for NPL TV is RPL Leichhardt defeating Emerging Jets by a goal to nil. A uh, goal in the second half from the wonderfully named Isabella Coco Discipio, who uh, came off the bench and, and and also played in the reserves game beforehand. So a, a busy and productive day for Izzy. Uh, also, our uh, thoughts and uh, I know, well wishes uh, to RP defender Tori Tumuth, who suffered a serious knee injury. Nothing confirmed, but I... Not, I'm fearing the worst with that, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, yes, best wishes to Tori for that. Um, and uh, one postponement: uh, Northwest Sydney Spirit versus Blacktown Spartans is was postponed to Wednesday, twenty second of June, because the Spartans had nine players in Auckland with young Matildas. Thanks, Eric. Um, yeah, sending good thoughts to Tori and hoping for the best. Madge, for you, some some highlights in Queensland football. Oh, I think the biggest highlight was that there were no washed out games um, this round. So a full round of football, um, but no, no surprises, I think, in the results. So uh, QAS, QAS went down to Sunshine Coast Wanderers 2-3. Uh, but um, good times for Jonty Fisher, as well as being uh, for the QAS. She scored one of their goals, um, as well as being selected to the Junior Matildas squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, she scored an absolute banger from the... Um, Close to the sideline, really acute angle, but right on the sideline and just floated it over the keeper. Like, fantastic goal there. Uh, Eastern Suburbs went down to uh, Kapalaba 2-1. Uh, Gold Coast United went down to Lions FC uh, 3-0. And South United uh, um, beat Morton Bay United 3-1 with a hat-trick from Paloma Gonsalves Oliveira. Thank you. Um, and in Victorian football, as per my typical standard, I haven't watched the game in advance of the podcast. I watched them after the podcast, the highlights. Um, but in better news, hopefully next next podcast we'll have uh, Taryn Hedo might be joining us. Hopefully we'll have Ooh. fingers crossed is, to see it. Is that and NPL TV commentary star Taryn Hedo? That would be the very yes. same. And hopefully getting some kind of mid-season review because I, I think we're in, a, in and around that halfway mark. A couple of big games in the in the round. So it was four versus five. It was Box Hill United went down one, two against Alamein. Uh, Heidelberg United, who are second on the ladder, went down um, by one goal against Calder United, who are top of the table. And then it was South Melbourne, who was in six, but they've had some good results lately, went down to FV emerging 2-0. And then there's actually a game right now, I think, yeah, just having a look at the time. Yeah, it's a Monday night game. So Monday night game as is the typical way because we love playing in, in cold weather and having the – there are a few fans that turn up to the matches for the food, as Eric would talk about. So the Bulleen yeah. Lions are taking on oh, yeah, that's right. United. Yeah. They're the Monday night team. Yeah, that's right. I remember that the Veneta Club, I think, Bulleen Lions. Yeah, they love a right. Monday night fixture. Uh, By the way, right, uh, quick... sorry. So yep. shout out to um friend of Beyond 90. She's written an article for us, Bella Sewards, who um scored an incredible goal in the uh, Football Victoria Emerging's tournament win over South Melbourne and commentary from the aforementioned star, Taryn Hedder. So um can't remember who posted it on socials. Taryn, Taryn did. I think it was Angela Christian Wilkes gave Angela, us a, a heads up heads on up. that. She so did, you. and I made sure that uh, we reshared that because that there was um, all wonderful. Just good to see a, a banging goal from a, a highly talented young player, Bella Sewards, who was training with Melbourne City over the summer, and of course a, a woman in uh, commentary as well, which we certainly need more of. Correct, um, and I, I think Taryn was on the panel at the Women on Side uh, Writers Festival as well. Was that not correct? I, I made that was up. She? Oh, yeah. she was on a panel. I a panel. Yeah, she was on a panel. I'm not sure it was that one. 
Okay. She was also fantastic on the Paramatilda's commentary. She was, yes. Very nice. Uh, All right. Queens of the Week. I'm going to start off with you, Eric, because everyone knows who it is, I'm sure. Yes, of course, because I am like an open book when it comes to this. So, yes, my Queen of the Week is uh, one of the players that I never stop talking about. Uh, A player so good, I have two jerseys with her surname on the back. So Matilda McNamara, as I I so delightfully said uh, earlier, is... It was called up to two national team squads, the uh, 35-player preliminary squad for the next month's uh, AFF championship for Southeast Asian teams, and also the senior Matilda squad, a, a, a shock, but a very pleasant shock. So we could see um, Matilda McNamara uh, potentially playing against Spain or Portugal or both. And, uh, you know, uh, I love, she um, just one of these... She loves crunching tackle. She's great on the ball. She has a futsal background. She's really um, uh, got, I just really love watching her play every time. So uh, hopefully a uh, player named Matilda in the green and gold, that would be wonderful. So uh, fingers crossed that that happens in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm going to go back to um, that, the Souths uh, game in the NPL Queensland and uh, the hat trick hero there, Paloma Gonzalez Oliveira. So um don't see too many hat tricks uh, in the MPLW, but um, she also got it with a, an absolute uh, bullet of a header off a free kick um, for her second goal as well. So great work there. I'm going to jump in quickly and let Stefan can go last just because I always finish up and mix it up a little bit. Uh, Lydia Williams in advance of hopefully 100 caps coming up pretty so- shortly. Great to have a goalkeeper who's um, punching their way through and she's been a stellar goalkeeper for such a long time. And then also, as I said earlier, to Larissa Crummer to see her back in the fold a little bit with the Matildas and see what could happen there. And it's a real opportunity for her, given the way that they've announced this or given the people who aren't necessarily in the squad. Stefan, take it away. Yeah, it must be the week for um, um, Queen of the Week hat-trick heroes. So I mentioned uh, there were two in the Capital Football Competition on the weekend. Um, so shout-outs to Jamie Berkeley for Cranberry, Croatia, scoring three against uh, Wagga, and Tiana Miro, who scored three in, in their game on the weekend as well. And she's having a, a purple patch, um, having just come off um, the play of the match performance in the Federation Cup. So... Playing with a lot of lot of confidence, Tiana, and uh, really good to see. So, congratulations to you both. Brilliant! I think that pretty much wraps us up. It's been a, a nice big podcast, up to episode number or cap number one hundred. It was absolutely terrific to have Christy Moore on the podcast. Cap number one hundred and one is Ish Ferguson, which is a player that so many people would be familiar with. I haven't yet reached out to Ish, but we'll see how we go. I know that Fatty's hanging out with her at the moment, so we'll mm. see if um uh, we'll see how our connections can work out with that. But I'm really enjoying giving some opportunity for the Matildas to get some visibility again for what they've contributed to the game. Thank you to all of you. You also contribute to the game in different ways but it's it's a big family and i love it all so thanks for being on the podcast thank you everyone for listening as well um i think i can't remember whether or not we did reach out for anyone to ask us questions on cap number 100 if we didn't um we'll go back to our slack channel and and see who was responsible for doing that but we're always happy to take questions from anyone that listens to us and we're happy to have more and more guests so let us know who you want to hear from All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for being part of the journey. And we'll talk to you again next week.